Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside the Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, 2020 episode number two, I believe, actually, in, in the, the new decade. Yep. Um, as we... We, we ended the last episode talking about like brand design, package design, which then stemmed this idea on and, and actually triggered some comments on social media, I think from you and somebody else, uh, maybe even Greg Helton over at Muscle Sport, but how brands really need to start creating this brand experience, this overall consumer experience to start winning in our category because brands can have really cool graphic design artists and have awesome graphics. They can have great formulas, but those are so independent of one another. So how do you create a synergistic experience uh, a UX for somebody to to kind of wrap them in, and like we are by by no means experts, I think at, at doing this, but I think we've seen models within other industries that we haven't seen within our own, um, and we're going to talk about those today in terms of like brands. I mean, there, there are champion brands that you see uh, within other spaces that make sense, but I think that some of those things can come into our space that necessarily really have not been incorporated in today's world in terms of sports nutrition. I was super surprised at the level of engagement um, from our last video in terms of, I think it was on Facebook primarily where it came from, but I think also on your LinkedIn, you had some action as well. But yeah, I think a lot of people were looking for us to do that next step, like add some more to this because they're like, yeah, great packaging. We get it labeling um, all that kind of design piece of it. It's important. It's great. But there's these, all these other things that are making the winners and losers in the consumer packaged goods space and, and particularly like sports nutrition that mm-hmm. we were kind of talking about. So I think this was a natural kind of next video for us to do because I think we didn't complete that. And that was on purpose. I mean, obviously, we don't necessarily talk about these subjects in a complete manner a lot of times or interlinked kind of complete manner because – First of all, it's a 30-minute conversational podcast. Second, yeah. you said, I mean, we're not saying we're the experts. We're not saying we're right. These aren't absolute answers to anything. We're saying we're confident enough to like get up here and start the conversation. Mm. And we hope that this starts kind of flowing and, and people will get some value out of it by the engagement, by the audience, by our soapbox kind of opening this up to like a bigger kind of situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think package design, which we talked about the last episode, plays into what we're talking about today. It's a big part of what we talk, we're going to talk about today. Because I think any brand marketer's goal, when they go in and they take over a brand or they take over a product line, whatever it might be, is to how do I create an experience for a consumer? Because ultimately, if you can create an experience for the consumer, they will be back. They will use word of mouth advertising. And they will be your primary engine to start generating more revenue and sales for your brand. And I think let's, I, I want to start first off by like, diving into the current space that we're in and, and, and think about the brands that exist today in sports nutrition and which ones are coming close to creating sort of an overall experience or the, doing the best at it because uh, there are a lot of brands that are uh, you know that are just very transactional based that's all they care about they want they want to get the conversion on their direct to consumer website they want somebody to buy their pre-workout or their protein and that's really it yeah they might have a triggered email marketing campaign but that doesn't that's not a brand experience um, and and What's, what's funny is a lot of people listening to this podcast or watching this podcast on YouTube, there are a lot of brands that Josh and I will continually talk about consistently. That's because they do a, a, a really good job at things that we like to talk about on this podcast. It's not, it's not that because 
they're our favorite brands in the world. It's just that they're doing things right, hence why they're having such accelerated growth, um, you know, when it comes to it. So, like, if you, you talk about, like, Redcon 1, for instance, like Aaron Sigerman's Redcon 1, you were down in Boca, I was down in Boca. Um, you know, they try to create, like, an overall experience with Redcon 1 um, in terms of, like, this, quote-unquote, lifestyle, but the, the branding of the packaging, um, they really embraced... The, the sort of the military personnel um, of of Redcon One and, and the supplement side um, with it. I mean, they have everything going well for them in terms of marketing. I mean, nobody's going to complain on that or, or argue saying that they don't. They're not necessarily on marketing, but like, you know, you don't also with them. You don't see people doing like unboxing videos per se for Redcon One packaging. I mean, you, but that 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 in itself is not super popular in our space anyway. Um, it, it hasn't been. Um, outside of like maybe buying like a bodybuilding.com four hundred dollar order, you see a couple of those on YouTube, but. When you buy something from Redcon, I, I don't know if I would go as far as saying it's an overall experience because I still think it, part of it is transactional. But I feel like the consumer that buys something from a brand like Redcon feels like they're, they're part of something more than just buying a dietary supplement, Josh. And, I, 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 and I don't, I've never went to Redcon 1 and purchased something personally myself. Obviously, running the platform that I do, I don't necessarily have to purchase supplements very often. Um, but from seeing people who brag about Redcon 1 and take Redcon 1 products, even the ones who aren't a tier operator, I feel like the brand is doing a good job of providing a pseudo experience for that consumer to get them to go on social and start talking about them. Yeah, one of the biggest points that I kind of brought up to Aaron and the team over at Redcon after I left there was that when I was inside that building for a couple of days and I was actually able to talk to a bunch of people and just kind of be able to just be in it, like not mm -hmm. necessarily um, always have an agenda when I was kind of in those 10 hour plus days, like I was just kind of sitting there sometimes and and paying attention and, and listening and, and trying to see what was going on. And the biggest thing that I pointed out was that there was this energy that I, from the outside, and I don't necessarily pay the closest attention to them, maybe that maybe some other consumers do, but I never really noticed that it was there. I, I didn't notice that this was there inside of those four walls. And I told him that for you to start displaying that more um, to consumers will then provide more energy back to you in a similar way. And you're going to be able to build something that is much more, I guess, branding experience based where people are going to get a feeling off of mm -hmm. it over just a transaction or a really strong flow of marketing. Um, you know, those types of things that I think he does extremely well, but I think that where um, him and maybe the other large, fast growing um, sports nutrition brand in our space ghost differs is that ghost does a really good job at, um, giving you the peek behind what's going on. They're mm -hmm. giving you um, that episodic type of um, content that you have continuation. You know what's going on. And, and not necessarily that Aaron and Redcon doesn't overly share a lot of things. I mean, I think arguably they share more mm -hmm. information than Ghost does, but it's not in a way that uh, is, uh, is kind of continuing in a sense that where somebody can follow it and like know what this brain is about and kind of reciprocate that. I think there's a little bit of that that uh, Redcon didn't necessarily have. And, I, and you're seeing them do that now. I think you're seeing some of that happen over the over the next uh, week, last week, a couple of these next episodes and things like that. I think he's starting to do those types of things. But um, that is a part of the whole experience because for you as a brand to be able to um, 
have consumers get a feeling um, from the products, um, from just the overall brand, you're going to have to be extremely transparent. You're going to have to be extremely, um, you know, forthcoming in terms of like what you would like the energy to be put out there. So then mm-hmm. you can get it back. I mean, if, if nobody knows like what you're really about or, or, or what's going on or whatever, then it just becomes a, an, a product that they're purchasing. It's not necessarily, they're not invested in the brand or the people or anything um, from a story perspective where it's going to continue. And then you, um, have a stronger bond with mm-hmm. that. And I think that that's where those two brands differ currently, not to say that, you know, this is, we're, we're talking about something in a, in a point of reference today, doesn't necessarily mean tomorrow or the next day it's going to be that way. But, um, that's just kind of where I, I see that and not necessarily, this isn't a red converse, a ghost conversation, but I think that we talk about them a lot. And I think a lot of people in the industry obviously talk about them a lot because I think those are the two that are easiest to point to in terms of maybe what is the, um, the, the go-to brands, I guess, of the space. Right. I think it's interesting on ghost <clears throat> that they create an experience through different platforms. I mean, obviously they have like, they're building the brand series on YouTube that people actually watch <laughs> like they actually yeah. invest time and they watch it. They watch their IG stories and this is a huge benefit, I think, to Ghost that nobody talks about when they talk about exclusivity to GNC. They kind of control that experience within the stores. So now if, they, if Ghost was available on multiple different digital outlets and retail outlets and retail stores, they can't really control what that looks like. But if you go into any GNC store, you always have Ghost product that's displayed very nicely in their own section, um, basically from floor to ceiling with Ghost graphics. Like It's an experience within itself. Like That section of the store is the Ghost section of that store. I remember in in Vegas, now obviously it was the Olympia and they were doing sort of like a GNC takeover, but it was just like very well done in terms of creating an experience within the store that day and what they were doing. Then they take that and they they can control what happens on their D2C site. That's that's directly theirs, right? So, I mean, nobody really talks about like – Ghost gets a lot of shit for this exclusive deal with GNC or or at least their, their agreement with GNC and people don't quite understand it. They can control the controllables in that situation. We've talked about inventory before on this show, but also like the branding aspect of it. They can speak with the GNC, um, you know, C-suite level executives and say, like, this is what it needs to be. Like, it has to be this way because we want to experience. Another thing I think Ghost does well is like, I mean, it's, it's something simple, but I think this goes a long way. It's anytime you drive home from work that day and you see a red box on your on your uh, on your porch with the white ghost logo like that in itself starts that experience for the consumer. They get excited. They see the box. They snap a picture of it. Then they want to do more or less like an unboxing experience with the brand. So I think in terms of like well thought out brand and brand experiences, I think ghost probably excels the most at that in terms of the ones that we talk about a lot, but a brand that we have not talked about a lot. And again, we don't want to spend all this time talking about brands currently. We want to talk about some brands outside the space. But I think First Form does a really good job of creating a brand experience as well. And I, I am, uh, you know, candidly not the biggest fan of the brand overall just based on, like, what I do for a living. But they do it differently. They don't necessarily create a brand experience through, you know, um, I guess kind of like what Ghost and Redcon does. But they do more of, like, an in-person brand experience. Like, their Legion of Boom is, is massive. And that's, you know, if you're part of that, you're part of this community. Like, I feel like that is the biggest community-based organization within this space and you have a ton of tier one operators with Redcon but I think the Legion of Boom and the, and the Legionnaires is what they call themselves like they get together and they do these massive workouts in St. Louis and they film it and they make it a big fucking deal and that's actually really cool like that's an experience when you buy first form you feel like you're part of that family you feel like you're invested you feel like Andy Forsell is invested in you and, and actually like personally reaches out to you so um, you know those three brands in our space I think excel and and 
if I'm leaving out a brand, I apologize, but those are the three that come to like the forefront to me, and that's because they do such a good job, I think, of creating what we would consider a brand experience within our space today. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that one. And I think that those three brands all do it in a different way. Yeah. And I think it's important for, for us to mention that you know, creating a brand experience can be done in, in an infinite amount of ways. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I think that it doesn't necessarily have to even be um, sometimes like a, a, a very like broad-based um, brand-centric um, type of a situation where we're talking about here. It could be something built around even like a proposition. Like if you want to be, quote-unquote, the best um, sleep product offering brand out there, you're, you're creating a suite of products that maybe aren't just a bed. It could also be like, you know, a CBD, this, or the best pillow possible, or the, you know, you're creating apps around that. You're creating this whole like, um, solution set, this whole maybe flywheel that creates a a feeling when somebody goes in there and they go, I get, I know what lasting impression I'm going to get by the going to this brand because they're going to give me the best sleep possible. And that's a brand experience that they're going to go and they're going to do it by, you know, all these multi, uh, you know, usages in terms of the technology or the products or, um, just customer service or, you know, whatever it is, it's, they're going to leave that impression with the consumer. Um, that could be really focused, but it could also just be, you know, feeling like you're really cool. If you're, Mm -hmm. if you're, you're trying this, I mean, we talk about bang energy a lot of times, like, you know, it's uh, energy drinks, beverages as a whole. A lot of times it comes down to you're building up like a lifestyle or aspiration or, or something that is uh, you're buying it because you're thinking it's going to get you to something. You know, mm-hmm. there's the Red Bulls or the rock stars or the monsters have done that forever with more on like the extreme sport side of things. Yeah. Um, that lifestyle that, uh, you know, pushing for more lifestyle and then you have bang coming in there and it's like more of like a party cool whatever where you're you're feeling you you drink this and then all of a sudden you think to yourself like you know there, there might be a dance party that just breaks <laughs> up out of nowhere like you just never know like so it's uh, that's a brand experience as well that you kind of get you buy that hoping that you're also going to get um you know a bigger kind of feeling off of that um than just like a product that's going to get you some caffeine and, and you feel a little bit more energy yeah i mean uh, such a great brand experience with Bang. I mean, you get that, and, and we we haven't even touched on it, but like you go to the expos, and and I know Bang wasn't at the Olympia this year, but like that's an experience in itself to go to the Bang booth at the expo. Um, Animal, another one that makes that does a really good job of creating a brand experience at expos. Like that's a that's a way for brands to be like hands on, creating an experience for the consumer in person. I just find it super impressive the brands that don't need to have that booth that can create the brand experience, like Ghost. Uh, Redcon has a booth, obviously, but they, they do a big of that big job of that digital first form. Like they're not at these expos, um, you know. So it, it's cool to see that. But yeah, Bang is obviously um, very consistent in what they do, and I think that that's a big word too. If you want to create a brand experience, you have to be consistent in what you're doing, and, and across all digital forms and all across all traditional forms of media, um, however you might do. Like you need to speak the brand language 24 seven. Otherwise, you're gonna have inconsistencies, and then thus it's virtually impossible. And I'll I'll go as far as saying like if you're not consistent in your messaging and what you're doing as a brand, like it's impossible to create a brand experience. Um, and that's just something I think for me, it feels like that's common sense, but like, like you're in Austin, right? You're, you're like the tech capital of the world. One of the, one of the places that a lot of cool stuff happens like Apple, right? We always talk about Apple in terms of creating a brand experience. They have their own stores. You walk into a store and you feel like you, you just feel like special. It's like, wow, I have to take an appointment to look at something like I, somebody can't help me. I have to go on the list and like, I need to go to the genius bar. I think, I mean, when you look outside of our space, 
And I think a lot of people kind of default to Apple, and they may not be the best, but in my head, it's like they're one of the better at creating a brand experience. I mean, it's are MacBooks the best laptops, the best computing system on the, on the planet? No. Are iPhones the best phones? No. I mean, it's been proven that like the Android devices are 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 like there's more cool stuff you can do with it. But Apple iPhones are still like crazy, and their lines out the fucking door to buy the new iPhone 11. Like that, you created something cool in terms of a brand experience when people actually wait for what you're developing and, and, and creating. And that's why, like, you, you mentioned Bang. It's like Bang's next flavor comes out. People buy that quickly, even though if it's not a good flavor. Yeah. Like, they're excited to try it, and that's something that's, that's really cool. Um, but I would say, like, when I venture outside the space of sports nutrition, I think Apple does a great job where you actually can go to YouTube and you see all these people doing these unboxing things. You go to CNET, and there's these breakdowns of the new phone or the breakdowns of a new MacBook. They, they just came out with a new MacBook, I think, over Christmas, which was a big deal. Um, but it's, it's, it, when you have an Apple product and then the Apple lights up, like you do feel something, which you just mentioned. Like You feel cool. You feel special. You feel advanced, albeit that device actually is not that advanced. It's actually very simple. That's what's, what's, what's beneficial about Apple products is they're, they're made for stupid people. You know? <laughs> like, um, but they're cool looking. They're, they have cool colors, and they've done such a good job of branding themselves that it's an overall experience for a consumer. Yeah, I think most people default to Apple. Um, I tend to always default to Nike mm-hmm. is, is kind of where I default a lot of times. And there's a lot of similarities between just uh, those brands in terms of like their consistency, their, um, their, the response they get with launches. And, and obviously Nike is a little bit different because they have so many different SKUs, but, um, you know, you have those hero SKUs, those, those sneakers that come out, those exclusive drops that come out and kids are waiting, um, in lines outside of retail spots to get those. Um, you know, you have the usages of stores, um, own stores, with both Apple and Nike to give you a feeling that uh, you can't replicate um, like at another retail location. Like when you go to a Nike store, you know, maybe even like a Nike house of innovation or one of these like experiential stores, or you go to one of these flagship Apple locations, you get a much different experience that's on brand than if you went and bought your iPhone at Walmart or you went and bought some Nikes at Foot Locker. Mm-hmm. Those are different. And I think that that all kind of plays into just the brand experience. They do a really good job. You kept using consistency and I, I agree. I think everything needs to be aligned. I think that a lot of times what happens with brands is, you know, they, they have this in their idea of what they want to be. They're like, this is what kind of brand I'm going to be. This is um, maybe, and they probably don't even go through this whole kind of um, old school like brand building thing of like, what's my, what's my, uh, you know, what am I going to be of the art uh, archetypes? Like, what am I going to be like from a voice, from a, from a, uh, you know, personality? What, how am I going to approach this whole thing? Um, but they go and act and do that way. But what ends up happening is they start to lose focus of that because maybe there's some issue with their cash flow. So they have to maybe produce a product that doesn't meet the expectations of where their brand experience has been set up at. So then that dilutes the brand a little bit. They start to post some crazy stuff on social media that has nothing to do with the brand uh, overall. Then all of a sudden that dilutes it. And all after a while, the dilution gets to the point where you can't answer the question like, 
what is this brand about? Mm -hmm. What do you get? What kind of feeling do you get from this brand? And I think that that is where all this kind of breaks down the consistency element of it and not having all of those things aligned your product, the way that you speak, the way that you look, the way that you, you know, smell, uh, you know, in a store perspective, like what kind of music are you playing? What is the lighting? Mm -hmm. What is it? You know, everything needs to represent the brand yeah. uh, fully for somebody to go in there and go, this is like, even if they're, they didn't know anything. There was no logos anywhere. Like if you stepped into a Apple store that had no logos, no product, no whatever, you would know it's an Apple store. Yep. Like you just go, wow, like this is just is what it is. And I think that we get to the brand experience to that level. We're talking about these are like the elite of the elite uh, level. That's what you should be going after. That's your that's your North Star. Mm -hmm. um, will you? be able to reach that maybe in a sports nutrition perspective, like the size of business and, and things of like that, probably not. Right. But I think it's uh, to look at those brands and, and say, I can take what they do really well and implement it into my business is, is something that they should be doing. 100%. And I also want to make it very clear that having a very, really, really good brand experience does not always equate to longevity. Like, you still have to run a good business. Um, and yeah. the reason I say that is, like, as you're saying, like, you're talking about look and smell and music, I couldn't help but think of, like, going back to high school and, like, there was this clothing store, and I think it still exists today, but it's not nearly as popular as it once was. And maybe it is because I'm not that age, but Hollister. Hollister yeah. was, it was a big clothing store. Like, you'd walk outside of it in, in, your, in your malls. It had. It had that California look to it. You walked in. It had that 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 smell that you went into every Hollister store. It was dimly lit. The music was, you know, like Boys of Summer, like old, just just like beach type stuff. Yeah. Like it was an experience when you went into a Hollister store. I didn't never bought anything from there because the clothes didn't fit me because I was a fat ass back in the day. But I mean, like it's just like you walked in there, you're like I want to wear this stuff. Like this is cool. It's cool to be part of this. Like I want to be a California kid. And they created an overall, I thought, a decent brand experience for a clothing line. Now clothes. Are trendy. If if yeah. your clothes fall out of trend, that could hurt your business model. So that can be part of it too. Um, I know they still exist. I see them. I just don't necessarily think that they're as popular as they once were. So I mean, when you say create a brand experience, that's step one. But you also have to make sure that brand experience is also relevant to the consumer in that day and age. Which means your brand experience has to evolve as well with the market. So in a case like Hollister, where it's a trend based business on clothing. Like if the trends change, you need to adjust with the trends. Maybe you need to refresh your storefront, but or maybe you need to refresh your formulas. You need to refresh your graphics. Those things, you can't just like build it and they will come type thing and just leave it. Like you need to. I mean, Blockbuster once upon a time was an experience, right? Like I mean, but they didn't evolve with the times and they they lost out to Netflix. So that's the big thing too. It's like once you create the brand experience, you're not done. You're always like you need to update it. You need to refresh it. You need to keep it relevant to the consumer in today's day and age because. Josh Shaw is a different consumer than Ryan Buckeye. We're different consumers than an 18-year-old kid that's graduating high school. And you need to figure out, okay, who is your consumer group and how do you stay relevant with them today? And then when they age, can you stick with them? Do you want to stick with them? And I think that's the most difficult part. And the brands that can do that and do that well are the brands that are excelling in our space, um, that, the ones that we've already talked about who have been. I mean, Ghost and Redcon, both relatively still new brands. I mean, and, and you could argue like Animal, for instance, Universal, they had a brand experience when they first came out. Not nearly as popular probably anymore. Uh, they still are sold a lot. and they, they have a cool experience within the expo world, but it's probably not as big as it once was because of the influx of all these new brands coming in creating new experiences. But Animal, to me, when I think of Animal in 2020, is the same Animal that I thought of back in like 2002. You know, yeah. I, I don't feel like they've evolved much and changed their experience. It's been like this hardcore strongman powerlifter thing, which is fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But now there's CrossFit and there's more emphasis on like bodybuilding and, yeah. and, and yoga and bar and all these different forms of fitness that they became a very niche brand now 
um, that that not everybody strives to to want. And they could have easily adapted and evolved with all the changes. And I think that's where this conversation at least needs to to stick for a little bit is that there's you know your core values your you know what is your brand about what is the the ethos of the brand that doesn't necessarily that's you know maybe 80 percent that that kind of stays consistent but the 20 percent needs to be evolving and adapting based around the market and the, and the trends and what's going on you know to use the example of an animal like I mean, the products rarely changed um, when the industry constantly was looking for discoverability and changing and they wanted things to be changed. There are flavor systems and things that like hurt them from a popularity standpoint is is one thing. But then that's, you know, the product side. But the brand side, you know, they could have kept the hardcore, you know, no bullshit uh, mentality or whatever, but adapted it to all these other forms of popular fitness, you know, Mm -hmm. why not go after people that have a similar mindset personality in CrossFit Um, or, you know, whatever is the next kind of uh, thing. Like they could have adapted it away from just like strictly powerlifting, big burly dudes or whatever, and like changed it around a little bit to make it more acceptable and to today's market of like, if they're looking at it, there's more, uh, top kind of funnel, more people can come into it and say like, yeah, this is something that I'm also interested in because the mindset and everything is what I hold true. And they're also showing imagery that's similar to what I am and, and, and whatever. I think that that, um, plays a part in all this is where you're going to have the stuff that's going to stay tried and true. It's never going to change. And those aren't necessarily like physical things. And then you're going to have a lot of this stuff that's going to basically have to be changed to where the market's going, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of imageries or products or whatever, those, those don't necessarily define a lot of times the brand, um, in the terms of like, you know, your product needs to be formulated in efficacious doses. That might be a part of your brand's ethos. Yes. But does your product need to be something that is no longer really that popular just because, you know, it was something around in, in 20 years ago? Like if the new product is X, like you need to create an efficaciously dosed, great tasting, whatever, like X, like, because that's what it is. And that stays on brand. You don't necessarily have to like keep a lot of like the um, things around because you feel like you can't, uh, if you sway away from that, you're going to just you know, lose your, um, sense of self. Yeah. I mean, you're a hundred percent correct. Like the entire time you were talking there, I was like, yep, check, check. I mean, right on, right on point. Like, like I said, they're still around today. I don't think the brand experience is what it once was. And again, that's just like failure to evolve or adapt to these different forms of, of popular fitness. Um, you know, you mentioned too, like I keep thinking about the brands that provide the best experiences overall. And for me, it's the brands that kind of control the sales channel or the control the channels that they're in. That's why I mentioned earlier, like ghost is selective. They sell on their website and through GNC, you can kind of control the brand experience. And you think of, Apple again, like they have their Apple stores and yes, you can go to like a Best Buy and buy a MacBook, but they also are very selective on kind of where they're at. They don't need to be in every store possible. Yeah. Our space is a little bit different, right? It's all, vol- it's a volume based business. You want to be in as many stores as possible and on, on as many retail outlets and, and digital channels as possible, which now, um, makes it very hard for you to control that brand experience because pricing is across the board, right? We have map pricing within this space. Nobody abides by it for the most part. Um, but like you, you go to bodybuilding.com. If they create a brand or product page for that, it should speak to what your brand is. But then if you go to 
like a, a Tiger Fitness or a Sups where they don't necessarily have those designated product pages, like the brand experience now is gone. So, and, and God forbid you start brick and mortar and you walk into a mom pop store, you have no idea who you're going to be next to, where you're placed. So it's very hard to control. So to kind of bring it back to full circle when we're talking about ghosts is like that is a benefit of being limited in where you're at. I mean, people will drive to a GNC if they feel connected or they feel connected to your brand. People will drive to GNC to buy ghosts. They will go to Ghost's website. Um, Redcon's done a great job in terms of like they're kind of everywhere, but they still create a brand experience. But that's not easy. And that's why I keep, you know, I keep touting, touting how, how much I respect Redcon because – they they they've done something that most people can't do, and that is like to be be demanded by stores because the consumers want them, but also to be able to sell super cheap on their website. I mean, it's just been it's kind of a crazy uh, phenomenon. But it it is it is tough to create a brand experience when you are in so many different retail outlets. But it has to start um, with your brand, your D 2 C site. And from there, you need to educate the channels in which you're in and say, like, this is the type of experience we're trying to give off. Like, I mean, Nutribio does it in a different way uh, in terms of, like, education. Like, they would go into these stores and educate the sales reps on the brand. Like, that's a form of creating a brand experience, being consistent. They would fly out to Boise, Idaho, bodybuilding.com, give these seminars to the employees to be educated on the products. Like, everybody has different forms on how to create an experience. Some are just better than others. Yeah, you, the idea of like controlling the variables, uh, the, the more you can control variables, obviously, the easier it is to um, effectively create an experience, a consistent experience. Um, you said, you know, it, it volume based. So you, you're at the whim of like, how important is it to control the brand experience and create something that's long term mm -hmm. over you know, creating short term benefit on kind of being everywhere at, at to everyone at all times, you have to kind of make that decision. You know, we're, we're talking about ghosts and, and you have the idea of like, they're not on Amazon. They're not in, you know, vitamin shop. They're not in uh, any large retailers outside of GNC and, and direct to consumer. You know, we're not talking, uh, we're not talking international here. So you giving up a ton of revenue every year by not saying yes to those brands, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? They're not saying yes to Amazon or, or whatever it is. Like, you know, we're talking tens of millions of dollars potential of lost revenue in the short term to um, control your brand and control your brand experience for the longevity of your brand because you know that in year three from now, it's gonna be more important for you to have that consistent brand experience and you're gonna make way more money on the back end if you can continue to control the variables the best you can. The problem is a lot of brands don't have the confidence to mm -hmm. do that or they don't um, want to look at things longer term or maybe they don't have uh, that brand experience that's consistent enough that they know it's going to pay dividends to them in the future. That's a very tough way to do business a lot of times, especially in an industry like sports nutrition that is not that well capitalized. Like there's not a lot of investor money. There's not a lot of big, huge checks that are getting cut for people to just spend, 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 and not worry about if, you know, they are, uh, you know, taking a risk or something and it's not going to work out. Like mm -hmm. you have a lot of like, you know, beverage brands or food brands or other consumer packaged goods type brands that are usually funded well in advance of when they start to, to, um, scale up. They don't normally are working on their own profits a lot of times in the, in the same 
revenue bases that we're talking about with sports nutrition. So sports nutrition, because there is some more margin and, and it's usually uh, the per item is, is more, uh, is higher yeah. as, you know, whatever you, you have some economics, price economics that work pretty well. You can work decent amount of time on a growth rate, even a high growth rate with your internal funding. But that also doesn't provide you much buffer to make a mistake. So yeah. you have to really be on it. Um, if not, then you have that situation where you make a mistake or you start to think too far out and you can't really uphold that. That's when you start getting in trouble with, you know, you start selling into channels that you don't really is not going to benefit your brand, your brand experience. It's going to dilute things. And then that just starts the vicious cycle we're talking about with all the dilution where then your brand experience breaks yeah. down. You lose focus. So the brand experience to me is like, there's hundreds or thousands of variables that all have to play consistently to the point where a, you and I can be asked that question, like, what does X brand mean to you? Or what do you get a feeling of that brand? If you can't answer that question, then they haven't done a good job consistently reinforcing that um, through all these different variables that we look at a brand. And we're, every consumer is going to look at this differently. You and I might look at a brand and a brand experience much differently than somebody else because they're looking at it from however they're understanding or what they care most about. And I think that's kind of the important thing about the consistency thing is like you have to really be a pay attention to like everything, especially today where there's so much noise that you're not going to get a consumer that's going to catch every single message that you put out. Mm -hmm. So you're going to need to just keep doing it because you can't just hope like, oh, every three, I'm going to reinforce my brand or whatever. And then the other ones, like, I'm going to try to play around and try something new. Yeah. Like they might only catch, you know, the four or five of the new things you're trying. And then all of a sudden they're confused at what's going on. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that are working kind of against uh, what's going on with um, reinforcing or whatever. So you just have to be <laughs> ultra consistent. So you're seeing the benefit of brands that are controlling the elements as much as they can. Yeah. If they could control sales channel, it's great. If they could control uh, marketing, great. If you control whatever, like they're trying their best to control the elements that they can, because then they know that they have a better chance at creating some element of like a brand experience. Right. I mean, it, it boils down to the four P's of marketing at the end of the day, like your product, your place, your price and your promotion really can dictate a, a brand experience. If you are inconsistently with your pricing strategy, you can dilute your brand experience in a heartbeat, right? Like, so uh, you look at some of the premium brands, they don't discount, they don't offer coupon codes. That's who they are. And that, that in itself creates a brand experience too. So I can, I, I'll end on this. I guarantee you, I guarantee you one of the biggest fears uh, of of Dan and Ryan over at Ghost is dilution of their brand. One of the biggest fears. That's why they, they choose not to go into these other retail channels because that, that's what would happen. And you're only as valuable as your brand experience sometimes. And they offer a great one. And if they don't need huge – I mean, they still do good volumes. Let's not care ourselves. They're doing great volumes through the, through the channels that they're at. But, I mean, if they start to say like, – we're going to start saying yes to everybody, that brand will become less cool overnight less people want to use it and it just won't be what it was. And I think that's so for everybody who gives them shit for it, think about that. Just sit and think about that for a second. It's like they can control a lot of things. They are in control of their brand, not the retail channels. They are. And that to them is super valuable and that's going to create longevity. And, uh, you know, and it's obviously helping GNC a ton um, being one of their b best brands that they carry. So um, if you're a brand, you're listening to this, like think about your current brand today. Are you a transactional brand? Are you just like all about a product formula? Are you creating a brand experience? I would venture to get, I would, I would say that most of you listening to this are not creating a brand experience at all. You're failing at that. You really are. Um, so as you look at 
2020, it's not like, what's the next Facebook ad should I spend money on? What's the next product do I need to formulate? You should really start to like, kind of go back to the, to the, to the groundwork and say like, what do I want to, what, what do I want my brand to mean to people? And, and, and figure that out. Because if you're just going to start by formulating a pre-workout and say, that's my brand's going to be like awesome formulas. I like that. I like that a lot. But I mean, I, I'm not your consumer. <laughs> you need to create an experience that way people come back. So you can have awesome formulas, but figure out how does it all make sense in a synergistic component way of doing it from packaging to pricing to formulas to channels, et cetera. Um, and it's not easy. It's not easy. That's why people pay Josh a lot of money to come in and, and help out with that kind of stuff. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's not easy. And even, even having advanced degrees like we have, Josh, like you and I still, like we would struggle with that with some things too. Like if we don't necessarily know the values of a company or whatever it might be, it's hard to put together a brand experience when you don't know that you, what you don't know. So you really need to define who you are as a brand, what you want to be to people, and then start to create an experience based on that. Yeah, it's a lot of introspection and, and things that brand owners, uh, regardless of what size, they need to consistently keep that um, in the kind of front of their mind to say like, are we making decisions that are going to reinforce this brand experience or are we making decisions on this because of some other reason? And if it's anything outside of the brand experience um, and it doesn't need to be, then th th they're having a kind of an issue there because I think it's just a matter of like, you have to hold that to the highest standard possible, especially mm -hmm. today where it's just becoming more of a benefit that you do because there's, thousands and thousands and thousands of substitutes out there, it's going to come down to people are going to pick a quick, economical, convenient yes. option, or they're going to have a few of these like really strong brands that they love, they connect with or whatever. The ones that reinforce the brand experience the best, those are the ones they're going to shop with and they're going to look for, but everything else is going to go to a, a complete economical situation. And you don't want to be stuck in that world because if you are you're you better have scale you better have efficiencies <laughs> you better have something to make money because your margins are going to go down to nothing if you don't have that extra exclusive style experience on top of just your you know efficaciously dosed products right. that anybody can copy because your labels are transparent mm -hmm. so I'll leave with that. <laughs> <laughs> if, you like, if you liked what you heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or here on YouTube. Uh, engage with us over on social. This will be posted, obviously, to the Two Guys One Shaker Cup uh, on Facebook. Also, LinkedIn. We post stuff over there, too, on a professional network. Um, any topics for discussion, hit us up. Let us know. Looking forward to engaging on this topic. Until next time, Josh Shaw, Ryan Buckeye. Everybody, create your own personal brand experiences over the next week. Podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.